0: Peace like river, hey everybody, way. welcome to I'm Glad You Said That, here on Wednesday, March 16th. Very honored and grateful to have my good friend Bernadette Wilson on the show today. She is the current uh, director of the Americans for Prosperity Alaska chapter. So we're going to have a great conversation about a couple different things um, regarding health care um, and regarding patients' rights. Uh, you know, those aren't issues necessarily that we um, address as an organization, um, Alaska Family Council or Alaska Family Action, although we've, you know, it, it, certainly if it has to do with uh, right to life or um, assisted suicide, that kind of thing. But this is a, a different angle in terms of um, some of the bureaucracy and regulations that um, Americans for Prosperity really across the country deal with. So. Anyway, she's just an exciting bulldog of a individual who's just passionate on all different kinds of levels. And so we're happy to have her on the show today. So stick around for that for the final segments. As always, we want to thank our friends at Rieger Physical Therapy. That's com. R e g e r PT.com, and Cortland and his team of physical therapists over there are exceptional at what they do, and they're, of course, supportive of what you and I stand for here, and I'm glad you said that. If you haven't gone to our website yet uh, to sign up for our alerts, you can do so at akfamily.org, uh, and it's Alaska Family Action and Alaska Family Council. Sometimes that gets confused. Alaska Family Action is the 501c4 sort of political side that uh, we cannot receive tax-deductible donations uh, per IRS regulations, but Alaska Family Council is our educational arm. Um, and We can do um, uh, all sorts of educational things um, that equip you uh, in elections and um, and just general uh, issues related to uh, right of conscience, parental rights, uh, the issue of marriage, which in fact is not dead yet. A lot of people would say, oh my gosh, it's, it's that train has uh, passed or that train has left the station. Um, but no, we still fight for the traditional biblical uh, permanent um, understanding of marriage, which is between one man and one woman for life. And uh, so, if you go to akfamily.org, you will also see um, a, sp- or, uh, a slider. The first one that pops up is um, for the endorsed candidates for the 2022 Municipality of Anchorage election that people have in their hands right now here in Anchorage. Um, We've mailed that out, and we also have it on the website. So you can go to akfamily.org and see who we've endorsed for Anchorage Assembly and Anchorage School Board. Um, Right now, we're in the thick of um, seeing if we can get through the women's... um, Sports bill. Shelley Bills or Shelley Hughes, Senator Shelley Hughes out of Palmer, has introduced SB 140, which is a bill that essentially protects girls and women in the state of Alaska in regards to um, uh, competitive sports or just athletics in general. And you know, we had—I uh, I would say, um, from what I'm gathering uh, and hearing—we have the majority of emails. Uh, that have come in in support of SB 140 to protect women's and, and girls' sports uh, here in Alaska. Uh, we had the first hearing, public hearing, take place this past Saturday, and you know the Senate Education Committee, where it uh, sits right now, was inundated with those activists in the LGBTQIA plus community who are um, – who are very active uh, and overwhelm the committee members. But as I'm reaching out to them, uh, ensuring them that I believe it's in the majority, most of the polls that I've seen across the country from my colleagues and national polls show even people who are um, you know, supportive of the transgender movement or the LGBT movement are still... Um, in favor of protecting women and girls in sports. In fact, there's a number of states who have already passed that um, uh, legislation. So we we likely don't have a shot in the House because of, I always like to say, um, remind people, Kelly Merrick of Eagle River and Louise Stutes of Kodiak are the ones who gave away the farm in terms of uh, being elected as Republicans. And we had the majority and weren't able to form... Uh, a caucus or or, um, a group, a cohesive group with a majority. And so they gave power to the Democrats who were not in the majority. Third legislative session in a row that that's happened. So um, we'd like to uh, think that um, there will be some accountability in the fall with those elections coming up for both Merrick and Stutes. And uh, we would be supportive of that uh, um, change because right now there's really nothing that we can do in the House based on the fact that uh, Louis Stutes and Kelly Merrick gave away the power. And so just remember that um, when it comes time to vote in the fall, uh, there will be uh, ranked choice voting. And so we'll talk quite a bit about that prior to uh, the uh, the elections, but it certainly is going to be uh, a different election than what we've ever had here in the state of Alaska. And it's ironic, of course, because... Um, In addition to the ranked choice voting or jungle primary, they basically, in my view and and, and many others, the reason why it was advanced is to uh, give Lisa Murkowski, uh, the U.S. senator, uh, an opportunity to not have to worry about a Republican primary because right now, as many of you know, Kelly Chewbacca, who's been on uh, this program a couple times, um, has a, a, a significant advantage in terms of... Or popularity in the state. In fact, all the Republican parties, the, the state Republican Party, uh, it goes on and on. I heard that there was an oil and gas association uh, group that that gave their endorsement to Kelly Chewbacca. So, anyway, the, the ranked choice um, uh, scenario is going to be fascinating and, and probably discouraging in many ways. But what we're going to try to do is educate people as much as possible on how to work that process. And we won't get into that now. Um, but just suffice it to say that it's going to be different than what you've ever done. Um, the state of Alaska has sent something out about it and we will also be sending something out, uh, to our constituents and having it available on, uh, on our website so people can get a a better understanding of what it is that they're going to do, uh, when you get your ballots, statewide ballots, because this of course doesn't apply to the assembly and school board local elections. But, um... So we're involved in SB 140. I would definitely encourage you, if you haven't already, uh, you want to go to uh, the Alaska Legislature website. And uh, you know, you just type in. I'm doing it right now, just so that we can do it together. Alaska Legislature. You type in Alaska Legislature, it pops up, and you click on Bills and Laws, and then in the search engine you type in SB 140, and it'll pop up and say that the uh, the next hearing. Uh, actually, we don't have that set. Um, But uh, you can uh, send an email directly to the Senate Education Committee by going to Committees on the left-hand side. I'm just going to walk through this with you because it's so important for us to get this out. Go to Committees on the left-hand side, and then you go to Senate uh, and click on Education, and it'll give you the email address. And I'll give it to you now. It's senate.education at A-K-L-E-G dot gov. Again, that's senate.education at a k l e g dot gov. And want to make sure that you get your voice heard uh, in terms of supporting our effort now with Senator Shelley Hughes to protect women's and girls' sports from having to compete against uh, males who identify as women and yet they somehow don't identify. Uh, in the the, the sports arena because they often have dominated, uh, which is what males typically do in athletics against uh, women. So anyway... Send your email as you can. Uh, we're going to be right back after this first and short break uh, with a conversation with Bernadette Wilson. I've known her forever. She was involved in our 2010 campaign as a manager to uh, pass the prolification law, and and just as a, a wonderful bulldog that we are grateful to have on the show today. So stick around. We'll be right back here, and I'm glad you said that. When- With, I'm glad you said that. Really pleased to have my longtime friend, Bernadette Wilson, on the show today. Bernadette, thanks for being here.
1: Oh, good to be with you, Jim.
0: Yeah, we go way back. It's hard to comprehend uh, that it's been this long. And it's been
1: a long time, a long more. time, longer than I think either one of us would like to admit.
0: Well, 2010 was our year that we celebrated getting Joe Miller in and that primary, and then the frontal notification law. It was like we are on top of the world. And, um, and then, of course, everything has crashed, not only just on those issues, but uh, all sorts of things. But there's good stuff going on as well. So we don't want to be naysayers. And, you know, we just have to continue to fight. Um, and you're fighting now as this, uh, the um, director of Americans for Prosperity, Alaska State Chapter. And so, for, uh, first of all, before we go into Americans for Prosperity stuff, for those who may not know who Bernadette Wilson is, your resume is long and varied. And so give folks uh, just the, the, you know, the 20,000, 30,000-foot um, uh, summary of who you are and uh, just your background.
1: Well, I was born and raised here in the great state of Alaska. Um, I, of course, have been involved in political campaigns for quite a long time, ballot initiatives, campaigns, uh, particular pieces of legislation. I had a TV show once upon a time ago, a radio show, and then on top of all of that, of course, I've got the garbage company that I've had for several years now, coach figure skating lessons, and, and am the uh, very involved mother of three.
0: Well, it's amazing because we now have um, my grandchild and your daughter are in the same class at uh, school at first grade. great, oh,
1: grade,
0: super awesome, and you know I love it because when we go to the basketball games and I miss those. And we're not gonna be I'm not gonna be able to make the um, the pizza party for the end of year deal because I'm gonna be down in. Uh, in Denver with my two boys and so uh, Miles will be here but my other two boys are going to be down in Denver with me so enjoy uh, the pizza party if you're able to make it and and uh, what a hoot that was man that was so much fun to see that young team most of whom had never been um you know had never dribbled a basketball before it was just like unbelievably humbling, and yet what a story. That's a whole nother thing in terms of perseverance and humility and...
1: Um, oh, just sheer grit and determination, man.
0: <laughs> Your kid good. That
1: basketball team for Holy Rosary Academy was phenomenal.
0: Yeah, uh, I really, really enjoyed that. I'm excited that we have one more year for, with our boys there at Holy Rosary. Um, lots of things to talk about. We can talk about... Um, Holy Rosary Academy, again, that's kind of something separate from, uh, from your role as Americans for Prosperity. So let's, let's just dive into most people, at least on the left, are going to be the first ones to say, oh, this is the Koch brothers, uh, dark money that's coming in and trying to influence the state, which is so ironic because with ballot measure two, uh, one of the goals, in, in, in addition to just confusing people and getting rid of Republican primaries. Uh, they, they had this, this thing about dark money, and yet dark money was how they influenced um, and snookered Alaskans to get ballot measure to uh, cross. We hope that we might be able to overturn that at some point like many other states have. But that's what a lot of people would say. Hey, what do you say about the fact that the Koch brothers are just going around the country and influencing – so their billionaires are okay with George Soros and, and uh, Bill Gates, but our, our billionaires aren't. Um, what is Americans for Prosperity, and why do we need a chapter up here?
1: You know, I I tell people when they spit that out at me, I say, you know, here's the thing. I was born and raised here, Jim. I've got Alaskan Native blood in me, not a whole lot, but a little bit. Uh, My grandmother grew up in a very remote Alaskan Native village. My great uncle served twice as Alaska's governor. You will be hard-pressed to find anyone whose Alaskan blood runs deeper than my own. If you think that Charles Koch has any idea who the heck Bernadette Wilson is or what I do, you're out of your mind, right? Um, The Koch brothers did indeed start Americans for Prosperity. That's accurate. Now, today, Americans for Prosperity is funded by business people and individuals all over the country who want to see our economic freedoms preserved and barriers removed that government has put into place. And I'll tell you what, thank God the Koch brothers did start Americans for Prosperity and thank God that all those donors across the country have stepped up to the plate to help ensure that future generations can realize their American dream. So Americans for Prosperity focuses on removing those barriers, whether that's barriers in education that try to take kids and put them into a one-size-fits-all cookie-cutter type of education system We've seen Americans for Prosperity fight to reduce and lower taxes. We've seen them fight to reduce red tape when it comes to regulation. Right now in Alaska, we're focusing on healthcare, barriers to healthcare that have forced costs to go up. They've decreased access and overall just led to a lower level of, of healthcare here in the state of Alaska. And so when you look at what Americans for Prosperity does on any of those issues, Thank goodness, like I say, that they have, you know, established it's important to have an Alaskan presence. You know as well as I do, Jim, that on our side of the issue, it's really hard to find people to step up to the plate. They're big talkers, but then is the money there to help support you? It's refreshing to have someone say, you know what, we do have the money. We are going to lend the support that Alaska needs to help roll back regulations, to help get government out of the way, to break those barriers down so that individuals can flourish and innovation can flourish. And this idea of the American dream can be realized by all of us and by future generations. So you know what? Sign me up. Here I am.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I just can't comprehend how – I mean, I've always known you're just like a workhorse uh, – times 10. And so it doesn't surprise me that you have so many things jugg- you're juggling. But you also have been able to bring on um, a few team members uh, to expand the influence. And so you have, do you have a local board? I should know that. But does every state chapter of uh, Americans for Prosperity, are they required to have a local board?
1: Mm-hmm. No, nope. So we do have a staff here. Um, I have a couple full-time staff, one that's on part-time and then we are amping up right now, actually, to hire about a half a dozen uh, more part time that will help us through at least through probably about the end of the year, through November, anyhow. And um, so we have—I have my regional director, awesome guy, great conservative dude. Um, and so yeah, that's the that's the structure here. So we have a staff here, but no board.
0: And so. What is the judicial or what is the uh, sorry the legislative agenda for the current year you mentioned the certificate of need and um, I know that you're working on some uh, you know patient rights issue regarding what transpired in uh, uh, at Providence and it's it's across the country but um, in Anchorage but that's also an issue that um, you know, we, we dabbled in a little bit in terms of the, the mandate and the mask mandates and stuff. It's, not, it's a little bit out of our wheelhouse, but um, what is the, what, what are the primary issues that you have on your legislative agenda right now?
1: So health care is a huge issue for us um, this year, and that was something when I came in as state director, I was asked, you know, Bernadette, what do you want to focus on in Alaska? What do you think? The priorities should be for Alaska. For me, Jim, that was a very, very easy response. Healthcare. Alaskans have seen the cost of healthcare just shoot through the roof. It's astronomical here. I mean, I know people, Jim, you know people, that have had to fly out of state and have found it more cost effective to purchase the airline ticket to get the hotel and the rental car and still go get their health care in another state. Because even after you added all those things up, it was still more cost-effective for them to go out of state than it was for them to stay here, right? We have heard all of the, you know, scare nightmare headlines in the media the last couple of years, I think especially since COVID, about shortage of hospital beds, shortage of equipment. We've heard about how elective surgeries had to get delayed because we just didn't have the bandwidth or the capacity to handle them. So all of those things together fall under a batch of regulations that the state of Alaska refers to as certificate of need. So most people, when you say certificate of need, have no idea what you're talking about. But if I talk to you about the high cost of healthcare in Alaska, if I talk to you about the lack of equipment in in Alaska or the lack of healthcare options in Alaska, most people know darn well exactly what I'm talking about, and they've lived that every day. So that batch what they don't realize is that that batch of regulations that is causing that those burdens within our health care um, realm are caused by what's referred to as certificate of need we are fighting to repeal certificate of need certificate of need came about because the federal government said that we needed to have this so we were staying in line with what the fed said we had to have now that since you know trump's administration Obama's administration and President Bush's administration all said you know what federal government was wrong we need to get rid of certificate of need so think about that there was one thing that President Trump and President Obama agreed on it was that we needed to get rid of certificate of need Um, the FTC in 2019 sent a letter to the Alaska State Legislature specifically saying you need to get rid of certificate of need it is causing barriers to adequate health care in the state of Alaska,
0: well hold on before so, so uh, we have we just have a, a um thirty seconds left before our first break. so we'll dive into this a little bit because it's interesting that you say i mean I remember that that uh that advertisement regarding Al Gross and Dan Sullivan about him saying how much more he charges for his services in Alaska, and it was just like a scam scandal for him to be saying. I mean, to his fellow physicians about how much more he gets to charge and and uh, make. Um, so we need to we need to dive into how that impacts everyday Alaskans and and, um, and specifically what the certificate of need program is because I think there's some people that just have a misunderstanding of that. So, folks, we're we're on, uh, on the show today with Bernadette Wilson, my good friend. and We'll be right back after this message. When he- I'm speaking with uh, my good friend Bernadette Wilson. We're talking about certificate of need and how that impacts you and I in terms of our health costs. I'm one of those, by the way, who has um, uh, you know kind of catastrophic insurance. It's one of those health share programs called um, Metashare. and it's, it's a wonderful program, but it's a high deductible and we never meet it. And you know so I got the first colonoscopy and it was like, wow, it's actually cheaper, as you mentioned to fly down to arizona um even bringing my wife and son and you know i i'm still at a loss as to you know why specifically a procedure like that is more expensive and what specifically does the certificate of need um, and those are two separate issues i know explain to people what certificate of need is and why it impacts how it impacts people's healthcare care costs
1: so Certificate of Need is a batch of regulations that tells healthcare providers whether that's a hospital or a clinic that if you want to open or if you want to expand or let's say that you want to go get an MRI machine or more hospital beds. Believe it or not, those healthcare facilities can't just go out and do that, right? If if another hospital wanted to open up to give you an alternative to say Providence or Alaska Regional They can't just go open up. You know, people have asked, well, why don't these doctors get together and just go start another clinic? Why is my wait time, you know, to get this procedure, that procedure so long? How come they just don't go buy more equipment? The reason they don't just go buy more equipment is because they actually have to pay an amount of money to the state of Alaska and then make the case, get the state to say, yes, there is a need for this. So as you can imagine, what will will happen if a hospital, let's say, wants to open, and now it's up to Providence Hospital, now the state's going to ask Providence Hospital or Alaska Regional, well, what do you think? Is there a need for this? Well, what do you think they're going to say, right? So it creates a healthcare monopoly. And as you know, any time we have a monopoly, of course, we always see price, prices rise. In fact, in states where they have certificate of need, the average health care the cost of healthcare tends to be a minimum of five to six percent higher than in states where they do not have certificate of need. So well, Jim, I'm, I mean I'm, you think I'm, I'm of-
0: Sorry, I'm just looking at a map here. I was trying to find it on Ballotpedia, but it was an older map. I think this one is a—it's the National Conference of State Legislatures, but it has this interactive map of Certificate of Need, Need State laws, and it, it shows Alaska as currently having that program in place. And then the ones that are not in place, not very many, um, New Hampshire, these are the states that do not currently have a Certificate of Need program. New Hampshire, Pennsylvania... Texas, New Mexico, Utah, Kansas, Colorado, Wyoming, South Dakota, North Dakota, Idaho, and California. How in the world is California on that list? They've never seen a regulation they don't like.
1: That's right. So California, and I don't think that list is entirely current, uh, unless I am wrong. I'm about. I'm sure Florida has recently repealed um, certificate of need. They did here just in the last few years. I can't remember which year that was. But Florida has also repealed on Certificate of Need. So I think there's been some additions since that was probably last updated. But yes, I mean, even California and and Jim, you know, we've seen a bipartisan effort where this has been repealed. It's been very strong, a, a bipartisan effort saying, yes, this doesn't make sense. It did not, Certificate of Need program did not have the outcome that everyone kind of had hoped for. So even in, even in blue states, if we could refer to them as that, um, even in those states, they've recognized that Certificate of Need has, has had adverse um, effects on their health care system.
0: And what is the Alaska legislature seeing about this? Is there an is there actual bill in so place now?
1: There is a bill. The bill um, has made its way through uh, the Senate. It currently sits in Senate Finance. So it's made its way through the other committees. Right now it sits in Senate Finance. We have a hearing coming up this week, Wednesday at 1 p.m. The bill will will be heard in Senate Finance. Once it gets out of Senate Finance, then it will go straight to the Senate floor. So we're in the final committee on the Senate side. And then um, from there, obviously, then it's got to make its way through the House. So we are hopeful, we're trusting that legislators will move it through Senate Finance this week and um you know hopefully get over to the Senate floor so we can get to the House. But it moved out of labor and commerce here, oh gosh, a few weeks back. So Senate mm-hmm. finance is where we are right now. Click Bishop and Bert Stedman are the co chairs there, of course Peter Michicki is the Senate president. Um, so it's really going to take the advocacy of Alaskans on those individuals specifically to make sure that this bill does indeed get to the Senate floor. And you know what? Let's take a vote. Let's Let's count, up, let's count hands, right?
0: Well, and on the House side, there's not a, um, there's not a counter bill, or I mean a, a, a companion so, bill on the side?
1: So I think the, the thought is that this bill will get pushed over to the House side.
0: Okay. The, yeah, the Senate I mean, version
1: will be the one that, we've, that we push through the House.
0: And do you see any Democrats that are on board?
1: You know, um, we haven't gone to a floor vote yet, so I don't want to count any chickens before they hatch. But yeah. I have been told by several Democrats in both bodies um, that they're definitely open to this. I know I've talked with more on the Senate side than I have the House side, and it sounds like they get it. I mean, it's, it's a pretty logical. This is not a partisan bill, right? I mean, no. all of the no. statistics are there. All, all the numbers are there. All the research is there. And so this is something that, you know, regardless of what your political affiliation is, it's pretty self-explanatory as to why it makes sense.
0: And, okay, so we have the Certificate of Need bill, and you also mentioned um, that you were pretty passionate about this whole patient rights bill. Tell us about that.
1: Yeah, so patient advocacy, we have seen the last couple years, you know, again, you go back to all the, newspaper headlines and stories and things and how many Alaskans had a loved one that was in the hospital and they were denied access so we had individuals whose spouse was in the hospital and they were told that they couldn't come in there were individuals who watched their parents pass away um, you know siblings pass away whomever it was and they were denied access into the into the hospitals I think to the shock of most of us right we had no idea that the hospitals could tell us you can't come in and see your loved one. So this bill, introduced by Sarah Vance, currently sits on the House side of the legislature, and this bill will guarantee, basically guarantees, right, tells the hospitals you have to allow a patient advocate the ability to come in. Um, you, you know, you're not going to shut them out. You're not going to deny them. You're not going to say that their patient advocate is the nurse or the doctor, right? They can have a family member with them at all times. So again, pretty pretty simple straightforward common sense piece of legislation that we anticipate support from from you know everyone on all sides of the aisle, so
0: Well, that's interesting. I mean, it's like everything is seeming to seemingly open opening up. Not soon enough. I'm heading out to Denver to see my son at, at college tomorrow and i'll be wearing a mask the entire way thank you very much much to my chagrin but i'm hearing that april 15th i think is when they're going to finally possibly um get rid of that mandate but it's already uh become uh, become optional and it seems like you know, unless, unless you're talking to an extremist that still has the, you know, absolute fear about COVID, that it's kind of behind us now a little bit. And so you would think that it's, we're kind of at a ripe time for this to go through. Um, and are there examples in other states that have provided that kind of protection for patients who want to see their family members in the hospital?
1: Yeah, so this law, um, I, this bill that we're hoping becomes a law, was, I believe, based off of um, Arkansas. A bill that passed in Arkansas has one of the strongest ones. I think it was Arkansas. I may not be correct on that, Jim. Don't quote me on that. But, yes, there are definitely other states that passed it, and I know a handful that are taking that issue up right now as well.
0: Okay. Well, it's amazing because – you know, like you say, that, that crosses every, every line in terms of politics and, and uh, socioeconomic issues. I mean, you, you have someone that's in the hospital. I had a friend uh, uh, that you and I both know that had uh, his neighbor had uh, a really bad infection, like horrible infection and has been in the hospital, I think it's been four to five months. Um, and the husband has not been able to see his wife once. Um, It's stunning to think about that kind of seclusion and I don't know, I'd call it uh, paranoia. I mean, the reality is, you know, if you have a mask, if he's vaccinated, I'm not sure of his status on that or whatever. But I mean, it's just it, it crosses the line in terms of just standard basic humanity. To be able to deny people that, and to think yeah, that, no, that, I mean
1: it's patient abuse, right? I mean, you have no, yeah. we have stories of individuals that have said, "Don't take me to the hospital. I don't want to go" because they're so worried about suddenly losing contact with their close family, and uh, so uh, that's what that ultimately boils down to, right? It's the hospital thinking, "Well, we know what's better. We have their best interest at heart." And the reality is that the audacity to say that to someone children or spouse or sibling or, you know, aunt or uncle is just absolutely astonishing.
0: No, you're right. Folks, we're going to take our second and final break. I'm speaking with Bernadette Wilson, who's the director of the uh, Americans for Prosperity Alaska uh, chapter and good friend. And we're uh, on. I'm glad you said that. Stick around. We'll be right back for the final segment. Hey, everybody, welcome back. Final episode of I'm Glad You Said That. We're speaking with Bernadette Wilson, who's been around forever um, in Alaska, born and raised, and has been involved with our organization for a very long time and regarding um, several campaigns. Most. most specifically with the uh, parental notification law, and what a what an amazing uh, journey that was, Bernadette. Such good memories and so much hard work, and yet this courts uh, in their in their wisdom seeing the fundamental right to abortion. Uh, in, in the privacy clause in the state constitution has throw, have thrown that out as well as many others. I know abortion is not your guys' issue at as, as Americans for Prosperity, but judicial reform is on some level, and I don't know if I can uh, you know state exactly what that means. What is the Americans for Prosperity position, and we'll have this final segment be about judicial reform and educational freedom, but starting off with judicial reform, what is the take on um, reform that needs to happen from AFP?
1: Jim, I I have not jumped into that at all. I cannot speak to that. Um, I know, obviously, on education, we absolutely support education reform. The idea that we would put kids into a, you know, a cookie cutter type of one-size-fits-all, I think at this point, just about everyone agrees is not the right option, right? So we definitely look forward to expanding education opportunities here in Alaska. It's something that you'll see us begin to focus on very, very heavily. Um, We believe that parents should have the right to choose what is best for their child and that no child, no family should be discriminated against based off of the area of town. I mean, Jim, you know this. Your, your um kids are in a private school. My kids are in a private school, right? When you look at the last couple years, who are the kids that got to have an in-person learning experience, right? Those were... My kids, right, my kids' friends all had a normal graduation. They have been on field trips. They have been shoulder to shoulder in the cafeteria having the high school proms and and going outside for recess and everything else. The children who did not get that opportunity were the children whose families could not afford the luxury of having their child in a private school These were the families where maybe it was a single income, and so now you've got mom working two jobs. She doesn't have the time to sit down and make sure that the Zoom homework got done, right? She doesn't have the means to hire the private tutor or to do the running around so her child can be in a charter school, whatever it is. And so those are the kids that suffered. It was the low-income demographic of kids that were the ones that were told, you know what? We don't care. You have to stay in this at this school. These are your only options because that's all your family can afford. It's discrimination. Like you ha- you got to call it what it is. It is discrimination against those kids and those families, and it's not right. It's time that those kids are offered the exact same educational opportunities as everyone else.
0: Well, amen to that, and that's one of our primary issues, and yet here we are. I mean, I I remember thinking uh, when, you know, it was Betsy DeVos as Secretary of Education under Trump, and it was Mike Dunleavy, uh, who had been a superintendent his whole life, uh, an advocate for school choice, even though he was in the public school. And as I think most people who are in um, the school choice advocacy um, arena, it's not anti public school, it's just pro choice, (laughs) to coin their phrase. And yet, um, it almost No, it's,
1: it's, yeah, it's definitely not anti-public school. I mean, here's the thing. I have heard from people that say, well, if we implemented this and all the kids would leave the public school, we wouldn't have a system left, which is ironic because, on the other hand, I hear about how great our system is, how parents are happy with where they're at. Well, if the system is wonderful, if parents are happy with where they're at and the children are flourishing, then you have nothing to worry about. They're going to stay there, right? Even with That's the right choice, here. they're going to stay there. So to say, well, you know, we're not going to give them that option is you basically saying we don't like if you're happy here or not. We don't care if the option works for your child or not. We're going to keep you here because we need you to sustain the system. That's not well, right.
0: No, and, and the number of friends that I have, uh, not a ton, but I have several who are retired school teachers from Anchorage School District, and um, you know I remember over the years chatting with them about and these aren 't necessarily hardcore conservatives, some of them are but um, but that was one of the constraints that they uh, would bring up to me all the time is that I just wish that we had the ability to uh, um, not have to be so restrained and constrained with this uh, um, uh, power from on high curriculum and strategy because it it varies and there 's certain ways that you 'd think that teachers i think many of them really truly want to do something that um, that is best for their students that maybe not fit the the, the grain, but they are a bureaucracy and it 's almost impossible for that to move and you know, in terms of education, we we you talk about the Espinosa case in Montana and that basically got rid of the Blaine Amendment, which was this anti-Catholic thing that started a bill that started a long time ago that targeted Catholics, um, and it has been rightfully um, upheld by the U.S. Supreme Court, and so the Blaine Amendment is no longer something that is in place. And many schools, including Virginia or states, including West Virginia and and I think uh, South Carolina, there's several others that have really robust Um, school choice programs. The problem is in Alaska, we have this very uh, stringent part of the constitution that says no money shall go to or any public money to any um, sectarian or religious or, or, or school, period. So there's not really any way around that because in other states, it's, well, you can't discriminate against religious schools if you're already giving money to other programs. And so what we need is uh, Representative uh, Delana Johnson's bill, which basically says, listen, the money doesn't go to the school; it goes to the parent. The money follows the parent, and they de- they decide where it goes. I don't; it's not going to pass because we need two-thirds majority. But is is Americans for Prosperity doing anything on a, a national level? I know that the Friedman Foundation and there's a lot of different groups that are working hard on the education issue. Um, What is uh, AFP doing, if anything, on a a national or statewide level regarding that educational freedom?
1: Well, so um, on a national level, they've been working on ESAs. They've got the HOPE Scholarship Bill. Um, I know that that uh, fight has been quite uh, hot and heavy in Utah, for example. They've had success in several states. Um, Here in Alaska, we do, you know, like I said, we will absolutely be ramping up that battle um, in the coming months and in the coming years. Um, Of course, at this point, we're halfway through the second half of the legislative session, but that's something that we'll definitely be looking at is, you know, those education credits, you know, whether that's through an ESA, a HOPE scholarship, and that sort of thing, you know. You look at people bring up school of choice and have that, You know i think that term kind of has taken on a bad connotation not for me but for others uh they've taken that and kind of warped and twisted it but we will absolutely be picking up that battle so
0: well and it's interesting because the alaska democrat party and i always try to remind people of this the you know you and i have talked about it but the three reasons why the alaska democrat party opposes the constitutional convention are school choice uh, abortion and judicial reform. And so it's interesting that they have made it very clear that they love the, the the fact that the constitution supports them on those three issues, which is why a lot of people are taking a stand to call for the convention. I know that AFP hasn't taken a stand on that, but in regards to school choice, man, we've tried to do a few minor tweaks over the years, and it's just unbelievable to see the power of the unions. Um and yet – is that something that you guys – we only have two minutes left here, but is that we, we got involved in that case um, – I'm forgetting the name now, but the, um, where the, the public union member basically said, I'm not going to um, pay public uh, union member dues because some of those monies are going to support abortion or they're supporting all these crazy liberal candidates, and he won all the way up to the Supreme Court. Um, we, we helped, uh, that, um, you know, kind of promote that out to the public union members to say, Hey, listen, you do have an option not to get out. You guys dive into the, I mean, you have an option to get out of the public union. Um, you guys take on any of those cases ever or those issues
1: on, on the union issue, you mean?
0: Yeah. It's just whether or not the unions have, um, the right to, people to pay for these dues that support liberal members it's just it's a, a liberal politicians and causes
1: yeah well if we have to you know if we've got a battle with the unions on education we'll absolutely do that right it's like people have asked me even on the health care issue do you want to do battle with the hospitals and I say hey I'll take that fight any day right at this May point send. if it's Alaskans versus the unions I'll take I'll take that any day I'll, all those mama bears that are all riled up um, over the last couple of years because you couldn't educate their kids in person or you are educating them in person, but by the way, they're failing in all of these different areas. I will side with those parents any day of the week. So bring the unions on all you want. Like I said, at this point, I think that the public school education in Alaska has taken such a hammering, much like the hospitals. Uh, they've got a lot to do to be able to repair that image. And so, you know, it, it is what it is. Oh, well. And if the unions want to join with us and fight discrimination against kids within the education system, then I will gladly welcome their help on any day of the week. So
0: (laughs) we got to go real fast. Thank you so much, Burnett. We're at the right very end You're a good friend, and we'll be in touch, guys. Thanks for tuning in. We'll be back next week, and I'm glad you said that.